What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Three Got Game. I'm your host, Matt, and tonight I am here with the one and only G John. G, how are you today? One and only, baby. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And uh, for those you don't know, uh, for those of you who don't know, it was Matt's birthday yesterday, May third. So happy birthday to you, buddy! Even though I texted you, I hope you had a great day. How was your day? It was fun. Uh, yeah, I went out with a couple friends, watched the Celtics win yesterday. Um, but great. it was a good time, and uh, and yeah, it's always, yeah, birthdays are always fun. So can't complain about it. <laughs> More fun than mine. I usually have my birthdays on like a Tuesday, and I got to do, I can't do shit. <laughs> but yeah, mine, mine was on Tuesday too. So yeah, it's how you see it. So you did good, man. Did good. Exactly. I'll see you this week. I'll see you this weekend anyway. But oh, for sure, let's hop right into it, boy. I was pretty. I'm pretty exciting stuff to talk about today. Oh, for sure. Yeah, let's hop into it. Uh, so the NBA playoffs, it's still going on. We are going into the second round now. But before we jump into that, uh, we, get, we got to finish up what happened in the first round. So the obviously Celtics next. We talked about that. They swept them 4-0. Uh, the Heat Hawks, 4-1. We predicted that. It happened. <clears throat> Don't really need to go into it. Bucks yep. Bulls, 4-1. Same thing. We predicted it. And yeah, it, that happened as well. And then same thing with the Warriors Nuggets. We predicted four one as well, and uh, yeah, that came true. But some of the other predictions we made: Seventy uh, Sixers and Raptors. Uh, the Seventy Sixers did have a three zero lead, and then uh, the Raptors won two games before the Sixers closed it out. Uh, weekend. So yeah. So when we were hoping that we could see a. The first team in history to come back from 3-0, that kind of died. So Yeah, I went on a limb, I think, and I said that the Raptors are going to complete it, and I was dead wrong. I think I really made a prediction. I I was just hoping that the Raptors would come back. But, yeah. Okay. But I could kind of see, like, it's there's a reason why nobody's ever done it. It's tough. Oh, so. for sure. So, and then we have the Suns and Pelicans. Uh, I said the Suns were going to win 4-2 G-John. You went out on a limb and predicted the Pelicans in seven. What yeah. happened there? <laughs> it was close all the way through, but, you know, CP3 decided I'm not going to miss in game six, literally, and went 14 to 14. You know, that's just the way it goes. And I thought they were competitive. I think if CP3 was anything less than purpose, uh, perfect, excuse me, that it would have went to seven. But, you know, them are the breaks. That is true. And then we got the Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Uh, it was tied 2-2 when we last talked. Uh, <clears throat> Grizzlies ended up winning these last two games. I think we both predicted Timberwolves winning. I think I said in six. You said in seven. But And the Timberwolves did have a chance the entire series. But yeah. like, like, the, like our old Celtics and hopefully staying old Celtics, they blew every double-digit lead they had in the second half. So I have to go back to the tape. I think I said Grizz in seven. I want. I was. I was leaning Timberwolves, but I didn't want to go too crazy with the upsets. Uh, but okay, okay. We'll, we'll have to. We'll have to. I, I picked. I picked the Timberwolves in six. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were. We were all going. We were going on some limbs that day, man. We were picking. I think we were just so hopeful for something to happen. <laughs> uh, I know for sure. And then, uh, and then we got the Jazz and Mavericks. Uh, the Mavericks uh, closed it out four two. I think we both predicted the Mavericks would win, and yep. we knew that this was. Time was coming to an end for this Jazz team. Like they're gonna break up. They're gonna they're gonna start trading some big contracts. So 
you kind of saw it when they couldn't take advantage of them not having Luca. I kind of knew they were done. You know, I mean, they that should have been a time to really like if you want to prove yourself a contender when the team who's really dependent on one player is missing their best player. You got to put your foot on their throat and do what you can to just absolutely take it from them. And they didn't. No, they did not. And yeah, and that unfortunately caused them to lose. So we'll see what happens with them this off season. Pretty sure you're going to see a completely new team with a lot of new faces. So, so we'll see what will be up in, uh, in Utah. Sure. All right. Now going into the second round, beginning with the Celtics and Bucks. The series is tied 1-1. The Bucs, uh, they handled the Celtics in the first game, shut them down on defense, while the Bucs, like, they scored, they did they did their thing. Like, they had they scored their baskets. Giannis did his thing. But, um, but game two was a complete 180. The Celtics just dominated from start to finish. Uh, their offense was flowing. Like, they are moving the ball extremely well. And on top of that, they made Giannis uncomfortable the entire time, whether it was Grant Williams, Al Horford, or the wall they built. Like, they made Giannis work for every basket he got. And I like I want to make predictions uh, because I, because I'm a Celtics fan. And I don't want to jinx myself this way. I'm like somebody here, but <laughs> but um, but I think this has potential to go the distance. I think this this could be a six or seven game series. Like, I honestly do. And it all depends on how they do on the road. Like, we got to really hope they can split. But I don't know, especially with no Milton for the Bucks. like, I think they're going to struggle to close, especially if games are going to be close. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, what, what are your thoughts so far in the series? Well, I think um, everyone was kind of enamored game one, how Giannis got a triple-double. And he was, you know, a great playmaker and everything. But he struggled from the field game one, too. And in game two, even more so, or just as much. To me, it was the tale of the Celtics in both games. Game one, they could not hit any threes. Game two, they hit pretty much everything they threw up there. So I got to see what it's, you know, I don't know if the Celtics can rely on the three ball to win this series. They're going to have to be able to attack the paint and be able to create easy baskets in there. I have confidence like you that this is going to go to distance and I am willing to make a prediction right now. I do think the Bucks are going to prevail in seven games. I do think this is going to be an absolute slugfest of a series. I think um, Jason um, Tatum and Jalen Brown are ready for the moment. They're going to really prove to be absolute like monsters this series as if they haven't already proven it already. Um, Grant Williams being back playing is playing like an absolute well, be back, but playing is an absolute beast. Um, the role players, you know, Al, Al Horford, if he can step up and just produce what is expected of him, he doesn't have to be a star. You know, he's not that kind of player anymore. But you know, we can win the series. So this is an either way series. I think the Bucks. Um, though I think they're even though they don't have Middleton, this team is. Deeper than people realize, they have a, a host of solid role players, guys who, on any given game, can give you really, really good production. We've saw we saw Grayson Allen explode in the Chicago series. We've seen uh, Brooke Lopez from time to time 
you know, he can get double-digit rebounds and hit like five or six threes in the game. He's capable of doing that. You know, Bobby Portis is a very capable 20-point game scorer. Um, they And then you have Drew Holiday, who's an all-star caliber player. So they have a host of really good players that can step up and do things. And Giannis is Giannis. I think the difference is I do think Giannis is the best player in the world, and I think that ultimately will be the reason why they win in seven. But, man, I hope I'm wrong, and I could be. It's going to be a great, great series. Oh, for sure. And uh, I think the Celtics, like, they, they've done well on Giannis these first two games, like, made yeah. him very inefficient. I think – and I told you this, G, like, mm-hmm. I think with Al Horford and Grant Williams, like, they can guard Giannis one-on-one. Like, I mean, he'll get his baskets. Like, he's going to score 25-plus points every game, like, no matter what. <clears throat> yeah. If they can contain the other guys, like – yeah. That's going to be key. And then your point about three-point shooting and whether they can rely on it. I, the big difference between game one and game two, I felt like in game one, like, they forced too many threes. Like, yes. contested threes, like not moving the ball a lot, isolation-type type shots where, where, like, guys just weren't open. In game two, like, you saw a lot more wide-open threes. because, And that's in part because they started moving the ball a lot more. Yeah. And I think, uh, and I and I get what what you're saying. Like, can you really rely on the three to win a series? I think like like ball movement is what's going to win the series for them. And even even like some of the baskets, like you saw that eight play possession, right, where Al Horford ended up getting a layup or eight pass possession. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, ball. yeah. Like they like they just need to trust each other and and rely on each other. Like they like they gotta know like whether it's Tatum, Brown, or whoever, like, they got to know, like, like you got to trust whoever's on the floor with you. And, you know, what? they did well with that on game two, whether it was Peyton Pritchard making some threes, Grant Williams, I mean, made six threes. So. Yeah, absolute monster. Yeah. And, and defended Giannis really well, too. I know. So, this will be an interesting series. I mean, I can't wait to watch it with you on Saturday. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. So. Next game, we have the Heat and 76ers. Uh, wow. The Heat are up one nothing right now. They are playing tonight at 7. I'm predicting the Heat are going to win that game as well just because the 76ers. They don't have Joel Embiid right now because of the orbital fracture he has plus the concussion. So I just don't think Sixers have enough depth or firepower to handle the heat unless James Harden can turn back the clock, which I just can't see happening at this point. But I'm hoping like maybe the Sixers, I mean, my best hope is this will go five and the Sixers win one at home. And that's assuming Joel Embiid comes back game three. But but even if he does come back with the fractured thumb, uh, where and he's probably going to have to wear a mask as well. Like, I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent, and I just think the Heat with Jimmy Butler, uh, Bam Adebayo, a couple of their undrafted guys like X Truce, who just came out of nowhere, and Tyler Hero coming off the bench, who's just a bucket getter. Like, I just think they're just too much for the 76ers, and I think it's going to be Heat in five. What do you think, I, G? I actually have the same prediction. I have the Heat in five. Um, I, James Harden is not that guy anymore. Don't get me no. wrong; he's still a really, really good player. He's still a fine player, but he's not that marquee superstar 
that people want him to be. Those days are gone. I haven't seen that player in about a year and a half, two years. Um, And if he was going to show up, it would have been the first game without Joel Embiid. That's the time to assert yourself and just prove yourself to still be that superstar player. But I just don't think he can muster that kind of ability anymore. Like I said, still an all-star, all-star caliber player. But, you know, he's getting up there in age and years. I mean, he's what well, he's in his 30s, I believe, right? Oh, uh, yeah, not... it's like 32, 33 now. Yeah, and, you know, he's not one to really take care of his body. So I'm not surprised he's really breaking down at this point. Um, So I expect the Heat to win tonight. I think it's going five as well. Because, um, like you said, even if Joel, I don't know how well he's going to be. And I think Miami's momentum will allow him to steal one game in Philly, at least. And Doc Rivers... Please stop playing DeAndre Jordan. Please. <laughs> he is done, my friend. Doc, like, do yourself a favor. Just play small ball. You can go with Tobias, you know, as a, as a big man at times. Just stop playing DeAndre. He cannot play anymore. All you're going to do is put your team in a deficit. Like, I'm sorry, DeAndre. Like, you know, he's he was a hell of a player when he was in his prime. But, like, he's just – he's not that guy anymore. Like, just don't play him. The issue but, with – I mean, I I don't think DeAndre is the answer anyways, but the issue with not having DeAndre and putting Tobias at the five is who's going to contain Bam? Like I know. I know. But at this point, DeAndre is a liability, such a liability on offense. You might as well trade that for more offense because, like, he's not really the defensive stopper he once was. No, he, and, and he's, even he's struggling against Bam, too. So Yeah, so you, if you're going to play four on five, might as well do it, <laughs> or like, on defense. You might as well play five on five on offense instead of four or five on the other end, too. You know, I'm not you know, I'm not saying to keep the whole Tobias Harris, but when you go to that small ball lineup, I would use it more than they have and just try to get buckets because – what else can you do? Yeah, not much else you can do. But moving on to the Western Conference, uh, we have the Suns and Mavericks. Uh, I know, gee, you're a huge Luka Doncic fan, but I think the Mavericks are going to get swept. Swept. Oof, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think Luka's a great player, but I don't trust anybody around him. Like, he had to score 45 points, and his team still lost by – 10 and that that's like being and like the score doesn't indicate how much the Suns beat them down I don't know but I just think the Suns they're just that much better like I mean whether it's CP3, Devin Booker uh, Mikel Bridges like they just have so much firepower and then who on the Mavericks can contain DeAndre Ayton like they're Nobody. putting Maxi Kleber at the 5 and and he's a nice solid player but he's only like 6'7 DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton, seven feet and like fifty pounds heavier. So these, so they're gonna, have, they're having a hard time, like, like trying to contain him, like getting defensive rebounds on him, like he's killing them on the boards every single possession. It feels like. So yeah, I just think, think the Suns, like, it's just a mismatch. Like you see it on paper, you see it on the court, like it's like hard. The Suns to win. are just that much better. Yeah. You can't win with one star today. It's just not how the league's built. You need multiple stars on your team. Like I've said this multiple times before. Back in like the early nine, like the nineties and early two thousands, like the the style of play was: you have a superstar and you have a host of role players around him, and like you know maybe 
if you're lucky, you have another all-star caliber player. But, you know, nowadays you have two, three stars on the team, you know, three all-star caliber players with three stars on the team. Luka's the only guy, you know, like his, that style is not conducive in this era, but, you know, and while I am a fan of Luka, I am not a fan of his whining that he's been doing the last couple of years. He really needs to stop that and just play ball, but I'm going to give him the respect. I initially was going to say Suns in five. I'm going to say Suns in six just because I have a lot of respect for Luka, and I think he's going to go berserk a few more times in the series at least, and it'll and it'll get them a win and not just a 45-12-8 stat line and a loss because I think other players will help him step up at some points. You know, maybe Finney Smith has like a seven three-pointer game or, you know, Dinwiddie has flashes of his uh, old self, you know, and then they, you know, and Brunson can do something. I'm just thinking one of those guys for a couple games steps up and they can, they'll bow out in six. But Phoenix is definitely a better team and I'm not, I'd be shocked if Dallas wins the series. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm shocked that you even picked Dallas to win two games. I mean, I respect Luka, but I'm going on a limb. I know. But I just, I mean, I like Brunson. Like, Finney Smith is solid, but they're not like number two players on on a contending team. For sure. All right, moving on, uh, we have the Grizzlies and Warriors. Uh, there's been two exciting games so far, very single-digit wins, each by the Warriors and Grizzlies. The series is tied at 1-1. We had two ejections in the two games, one by Draymond for his flagrant two the, in game one, and then, and then in game two, Dylan Brooks getting ejected. Uh, this is tough for me. Like, th- I feel like this is – very evenly matched. I really do. This is easy for me. I'll let you go, though. I'm going to go out and limb. I'm going to say Grizzlies in seven. I really like how Jaws playing. Like, he, in game two, like, he asserted himself. He showed why, like, he's one of the best young players in the league right now. Like, he did everything he could to help the team win. Uh, I, I really like, uh, I mean, Jaren Jackson Jr. has been playing well, and I really like this kid, Brandon Clark. Like, he's an energetic big off the bench who's going to get a lot of rebounds, especially offensive rebounds, giving the Grizzlies second-chance points. And then uh, assuming Brooks doesn't get suspended, like, he'll be back and be that dis- defensive stopper he is. And then, obviously, Desmond Bain, like, he's been playing well so far in these playoffs. And with the Warriors, like, I just think – I mean, I think Curry, like, he struggled these first two games. Like, he he has not showed up in the fourth quarter, especially. Like, especially, like, with three or less minutes to go. Like, he hasn't shown up. And then Clay Thompson, like, I love Clay, but he's definitely looked like he's lost his step. Like, he's not the same elite defensive player he once was. Uh, I don't think I don't think he's able to create his own shot like he could. I mean, still an elite catch-and-shoot guy, but. He, it's the thing about, uh, about Clay. He wasn't much of a off the dribble guy, even in his prime. He could like he did it rarely, but he was very well, what, like even what, like when he's cutting, like it doesn't yeah, look it, the it, same. It yes. seems a lot slower. Yes, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. When he comes off pin downs, when he's moving around, he looks a step slow. He what made him special to me was he could he was very quick to get open moving off screens, moving off ball to lose his man. And now it looks a little slower for him to do that. So he's oh, for sure. less open. He's taking, you know, but 
I'm actually gonna go Warriors in six. Warriors in your, six, okay. Your point about Curry is no, but Curry's MO in the playoffs is he hasn't, you know, contrary to popular belief by some people, he hasn't been all that clutch. No, I, mean, I, th- I think I, saw, I, I, talk, I think I talked about the stat one of the episodes prior where he's like 0 for 13 on game time or go ahead shots in the playoffs with 45 seconds or less. You know, when the game gets tight, he really hasn't done. I mean, look at game one. He had a wide open three that could have iced the game. I mean, wide open when they're up one brick. They Clay missed two free throws. That's why I like the. That's why I like the Warriors. Like. As Clay, Clay, as much as he hasn't been himself, I don't expect him to shoot five or nineteen. I expect him to find the range in the playoffs. Jordan Poole has proven to be an excellent player, and I think he's going to keep playing. I think Clay will eventually find the stroke, and Steph's going to do Steph things. The Warriors needed Steph to miss a stupid wide open three, and Clay, and um, or the the Grizzlies for Game One uh, when they lost, and Clay to miss two free throws just for them to have a chance to win. Game one, which they didn't even capitalize on. And then game two, Ja had to explode for them to eke out another win. And Ja is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I think the Grizzlies are a good young team. I just feel like they'll win another game this series. They'll bow out in six, respectively. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say the Warriors are going to blow them out game three. Double-digit win. I'm going to say it right now. They're going to 12-plus points. I, I believe Okay. It. Yeah, and then and then we'll and then game four we'll figure out what happens. But you know, Warriors in six—that's what I'm going with. My big question to you though is mm-hmm. because Gary Payton is out now; he broke his yes. elbow in that flagrant yep. foul. Who's going to guard John now? Like he's going to get his. He's going to get his. I don't think he's going to get forty plus, but I think the Warriors are going to play a style of defense that they're going to dare him to be more of a jump shooter. And last game he was five of eleven from three. And if Jock continued to hit threes at a 40-plus percent clip, a 45% clip, which that was, then the Warriors will shake their hand, his hand at the end of the series. If Memphis advances, they'll be like, listen, good job. You know, you're the better man, and that's it. But I think they're going to try to contain him to not be in the paint as much and be a little less inviting when he gets down there, try to make him more of a jump shooter. Now it's going to be up to Ja if he wants to take those shots or not. Or still be an aggressive player and attack the basket, but I feel like the Warriors are going to treat him like are going to like build like a kind of wall, like for him, like Giannis, like people do to Giannis, to prevent him from getting in the paint. And I think it'll kind of neutralize him a little bit. Josh's still going to get his numbers. He's going to he'll get his 30, 25, 30 points. You know what I mean, doing his thing. But I think going back to Golden State, they will have a game plan to slow him down a bit. That'll be enough for them to win games. That's a fair point. Fair point. All right, so so that was the NBA playoffs. We can't wait for the games coming up. Uh, we will definitely be talking more about that mm-hmm. in the later episodes. But uh, but we are now going to move on to what happened in the NFL draft uh, this past weekend. Uh, so we'll go through top ten picks. I mean, at number one, Trayvon Walker, Jaguars <laughs> both predicted it. No surprise. Uh, number two, Aiden Hutchinson, Lions. Same thing. Uh, we both predicted. Saw it coming. And then uh, number three, that was a little bit of a surprise. That was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Derek Stingley to the Texans. Uh, My thoughts on it is if this was two years ago, that would have been a steal for the Texans because Derek Stingley was, like, by far the best corner in the entire country. I mean, he was, like, 
they, everybody thought he was like the second coming of Darrell Rebus because yeah. he was that good on that LSU championship team. But the last two years, like he, his game kind of digressed a little bit. Like he was not the same player he was his freshman year. So maybe being on a on a better team, like being being on a team that's like more coached than uh, than where he was at at LSU, like. Maybe that'll bring him back to where he was his freshman year, but but we'll see about that. But with the Texans, though, I mean, they have a lot of needs. Let's be real. Like, they stink, like, pretty much at every position, whether it's O-line, pretty much every defensive position. They need uh, a lot. So, <laughs> they need a lot. So, uh, yeah, I think, so I think they just wanted to pick who they thought could make the most impact to the team. And, you know, they think Stingley can uh, – go back to his freshman ways and uh, and see what happens from there. What do you think, G? Yeah, I'm kind of glad to agree with you. I think that Stingley is a fine pick. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was a bit of a reach. But I think the Texans are banking on him looking more like how he was in his freshman year. And like you said, how he was like the next, like basically like Darrell Revis or something, you know, people, whatever they used to say. And I think they're trying to – kind of talked themselves into believing that like, oh, you know, he was injured this past year and a half, you know, he's dealt with injury problems and, you know, if he's fully healthy, he'll be back to form, which he could, you know. So I get, I guess in a way I get the gamble or quote unquote gamble because I still thought he was going to go top 10, but I think it'll be a fine player and they need a lot of help. So I guess it's a good start to go corner. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's always, it's always nice when you haven't shut down corner and I think that's a, Good start for them to build around. And then at number four, we have Sauce Gardner going to Jets. Uh, I thought they were going to pick an offensive line. Uh, I mean, Sauce Gardner, I mean, that's a great pick. It was definitely a position of need. And in my opinion, he was the best corner in the draft. So, I mean, that to me, props to the Jets. Stealing him at the number four pick and Rye. Good for your team, I guess. Gee, your thoughts on it? (laughs) Great pick. Uh, my opinion was the number four pick in the draft, too. I think I was with you. I thought they would go offensive linemen, too. I think I thought he was going to go to the Giants because I believed that they were going to deal Bradbury. But nonetheless, a really good pick, you know. Um, foreshadowing, future topic, I think the Jets had a really freaking good draft, man. But excellent pick. Uh, for sure. And then at number five, we have Kayvon Thibodeau going to the Giants, the defensive end. Uh, I think me and you kind of had a little disagreement there, but yeah. in my in my opinion, like I think he has a talent, he has a skill. My question with him is, does he have the passion and motor to play to play for at the next level? I mean, you can see the talent; it's there. Like he's extremely athletic, extremely strong, like very quick first step, but but he's not always. Like in it, it seems like like there's. I feel like he takes some plays off a, a lot of the times uh, in college. So that's my only concern with him. But otherwise, like a pass rusher is definitely in need of a Giants, and it seems like he was the best one available. So I, I think I think it's a little bit of reach. But then again, they had the seventh pick, and they're probably gonna pick him there anyway. So. So yeah, I think I think it's a solid pick for them. Yeah, no, I, they need pass rushers. The Giants need they need. Uh, I thought they would be go corner, but if they weren't going to go corner, I figured they'd go 
offensive line too because their offensive line is shaky. But pass rusher is definitely a position of need for them too. They need people to get after the quarterback. So I do like to pick. Um, I think he's going to be good. I understand your concerns. I do think that he's going to be a, a really good pass rusher for the Giants. And if they can supplement that defensive line to bolster, you know, their ability to get after the passer so he doesn't get, like, maybe doubled or anything like that and he can kind of play singled up, I think he'll have a good rookie season and will prove to be a good player for the Giants. For sure, for sure. And then at number six, we have E.K. McQuanu, offensive lineman, going to the Panthers. Uh, that's not really surprised me. I thought they were going to stupidly pick a quarterback, but – they didn't. They picked uh, definitely a position of need. Yes. And uh, and definitely probably the best offensive lineman in the draft. So, so I think that was a great pick for the Panthers. Your thoughts? Great pick. Great pick. Um, I do disagree with you about him being the best offensive line in the draft. I think Evan Neal is if he's healthy. Well, best. Well, actually, I, I guess I think he's the best left tackle. So I kind of agree with maybe you're probably right about that. He might be a little bit more versatile. Yeah. Um, the guy that the Panthers took. But I, I like the pick. They needed help on the offensive line badly, too. Like you, you know, I know people, uh, a lot of people had murmurs about them choosing a quarterback early. I'm glad for them that they didn't because that would have been such a reach. They needed help to bolster that line. And I don't think that early there wasn't a guy in this draft that was worthy of going that early. So I do like them not panicking to pick a corner and instead of choosing to beef up that offensive line so the next guy they do get, they can make sure they protect them. Oh, for sure. And they did end up picking a quarterback in the third round, I think, Matt Corral. Yep, yep. So, so it worked out. out. Yep. And then at number seven, we have Evan Neal, the offensive lineman going to Giants. Uh, right side of the line is definitely a position of need, especially after they signed Nate Soldier to a four-year, $20 million a year contract. Oh, <laughs> What, what a bunch of idiots. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they definitely got their guy. Uh, he'll definitely fill that void at right tackle. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones should be a lot more protected than he has been the last last three years. So, so let's see if uh, – because this is going to be his last year. And, and he's got to prove uh, this year whether or not he's going to be their franchise quarterback moving forward. So – so, yeah, definitely a good start to protect that right side, right side of the line. Gee, your thoughts? Great pick. Great pick. I think uh, this line was definitely a huge need, and it was definitely something that I agree with him taking. Um, I think he's, to me, he was the best pure tackle in the draft. If he's healthy, so I do love the pick. And, you know, their need to bolster our line is tremendous. It's been terrible for the last couple of years. And I think as long as he's healthy, this guy will be a huge plus to start their rebuild along that offensive line. Most definitely. And then at number eight, we have Drake London going to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I, I mean, the Falcons have so many positions of needs, whether it's O-line, receiving, uh, a lot of holes to fill on defense. But, but I think uh, they, they want – an explosive outside guy to help out Marcus Mariota. And, uh, and to me, Drake London is the best wide receiver in this draft. So, so I think it's a good pick. Uh, your thoughts on it? They had a lot of needs. I thought they, I think I thought they would go Kyle Hamilton. 
um, because it would be uh, to me it would have been the best player available because I thought I think that's what the Falcons would have done going BPA, but their board must have said Drake London can't fault him for that. He's a great player. Um, I do think it would, they would have been better served taking a guy like Kyle, Kyle Hamilton, who slipped in this draft. Um, yeah, why not fourteenth to Ravens? That's kind yeah. of surprising. Yeah, it was. It was pretty shocking to me. But you know, they had a lot of needs, and you know, after losing, you know, Julio a couple of years ago, and then you lose Calvin Ridley because of whatever you know that gambling thing. They need somebody that can bring some juice to the game and help out Kyle Pitt. So it's a good pick. I do like the pick. Yeah, good pick. And then at number nine, we have Charles Cross, the offensive lineman, going to the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, same thing as the Falcons. Seahawks have so many positions of need. Uh, I I mean, I thought they were going to pick a quarterback, but not this early. But I think O-line, like, they needed help there most definitely, along with a bunch of other positions. But I think they just wanted to go with who the best player was available. And at this at number nine, I think Charles Cross was the right pick for them. I think it was the right pick because their line has been bad for years, and they really, really needed to start rebuilding it it's just a shame it took them trading russell wilson to finally address it seriously yeah <laughs> but but charles cross is a really good pick i think he's gonna be a really good offensive lineman in this league so i love the pick and the draft to address offensive line too so good for them and i think it was definitely the right move at the time easily and then at number 10 we got the jets picking wide receiver garrett wilson uh, I think that's a good pick. I think we both predicted they would pick a wide receiver, whether yeah. it's Drake London or Garrett Wilson, whoever yeah. is there. And, uh, and yeah, I think they needed receiver help for Zach Wilson, and they got one right there. Yeah, I think I had him taking Garrett Wilson too. But um, you need an explosive weapon um, to supplement what they have in their receiving game. You want to help your young quarterback, and how do you help a young quarterback? You get them playmakers. And Garrett Wilson's a playmaker, so I love that they did that. I mean, they've uh, they did tremendous this draft, in my opinion. You know, especially early on, taking playmakers, you know, getting protection, and then you know later, I think they took uh, Jermaine Johnson, the pat, uh, the defensive the end, pat, yeah, the pass, the pass rusher, rusher. Yep. yeah. So you know, I think they knocked it out of the park. But love the Garrett Wilson pick. You got to surround Zach Wilson with playmakers to uh, do easy. what you can to like you know increase his growth and expedite it faster. So love it. Yeah, easily. And then uh, now we are going to our perspective teams. Um, while G John will probably complain about his team's drafts, draft, draft, uh, oh, I will you think tell so? him this. I will tell you think him so? this. <laughs> you think so? I will tell him this. Look at what the Patriots did and feel, <laughs> and you'll feel better about it. Bro, so go do, ahead. You, do you go show ahead. you? Do you want to talk about it? You sure you want to just skip the Patriots, man? I'm sorry. Like we just all right. Let's just, let me let me just get this out of the way. Uh, <laughs> Patriots, I don't know what the heck they're doing. Uh, they definitely reached in the first round for Cole Strange. I mean, oh, I think he's a dude. solid player, but He'll he probably... was going to be available in the third round. So dude, I don't get it. At the very best, he would have been there with your next pick. At the very worst, I should say. I still oh, yeah. think he would have been there. You could I think have... he would have been there in the third round. Yeah, it's, you know, that, that was his projection, but who knows? It could have been possible he could have gone to a team, like, at the very best, somewhere uh... in, the, in the middle second round. But there is no – no, like, late second round, I'm sorry. There is no way that you guys 
would have not gotten him with your second round pick at yeah. the where at the very minimal. I like you said. I think he's a, he's a fine. You know what I mean? He'll and, probably and start the for other thing, and the other yeah, exactly. The other thing is they needed a guard because they lost Ted Terrace Mason. Uh, I'm no, not no. sure what's going on with the one who sounds like he's in Belichick's doghouse right now. First round, so, First round guard. Yeah, I know for guard. Man, yeah, you, you, you yeah, gotta do, then, you gotta do right, what the Packers do, bro. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on from Paul Strange and no, talk gotta, about their other crappy picks. Uh, listen, I think this. Uh, I'm sorry. Listen, do me a favor though. Call Belichick. Tell him one thing: Green Bay does well. We wait till the third and fourth round to draft guards and fifth round. Do that, not first round, okay? There you go. Thanks for the advice. Anyway, <laughs> on to the second round, they drafted uh, Tyquan Thornton. Um, I think that was a little bit of a reach as well. I think yeah. he's okay. I mean, he's extremely fast, 4-2-8 speed. But in a few games, like, he's not, like, game speed fast. Like, he doesn't look fast, like, when he's wearing pads compared to what he looked like in the combine. Like, and he's, he, bring, he can either be great, like, in which I'm hoping he is, but there's, like, a lot of signs of uh, one of the former receivers we had, Philip Dorsett, just a straight-line guy who's fast, but doesn't have, like, much wiggle, not too physical. So, I mean, especially since Sky Moore was still there, George Pickens was still there. I mean, they had other options that I would have preferred, but – I mean, I'm not going to bet against Belichick right now, even though his receiving uh, draft hasn't been too great as of late. But, as of but late. hopefully hopefully he'll hit on this mm-hmm. one. And then mm-hmm. and the other thing is a quarterback in the fourth round. Like, why? I don't why? Know. Like, you already have Mac Jones there. Uh, I mean, Brian Hoyer. I mean, I guess they need what? Backup quarterback. Yeah, we don't so, draft one. So man. yeah, we're gonna draft Jesus. a backup quarterback instead of signing a a, a veteran for like minimum uh, for minimum. So oh, I don't Lord. know. I don't know. And then on top of that, drafting two running backs in the draft when they already had two freaking <laughs> running backs and Damian Harrison. Ramondre Stevenson. That Dude, you have like drafted. seven on the roster, bro. Yeah, and then James White is coming back. I think and you, have, seven. you have you have JJ. Uh, what's his face? Oh, um, uh, JJ Taylor. Yeah, JJ yeah, Taylor was decent. Like, it, I, I I wanted to give the better value. Like, oh, you know, Damon Harris is on a contract year, but like, you have like five other backs in the roster. That wasn't exactly a position of need. You know, yeah, no, I think the thing was he wanted to try out one of those running backs because he obviously he's not going to pay Damian Harris. So, yeah, yeah, of course, the Belichick thing. But, so, yeah, I guess that's his point. I don't know. I'm, I'm like uh, baffled by this. I, I'm right, done yeah. talking about it. Go to your Packers. I can't I'm, talk about this I'm anymore. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. All right. Well, contrary to what you think, I actually liked our draft. I said if we oh, can't that's get, surprising. if we can't if we can't get one of these receivers, which I figured we wouldn't, one of the top guys. My thing would have been just focus on the defense. Build a top five defense that can get stops. If we can't get weapons, we might as well get players that can stop people and protect Rodgers. And that's exactly what we did this draft. After receiver, what was our biggest need to me? Somebody next to Kenny Clark that could um, help clog stop up the run, the, can stop yeah. the run, clog up the running lanes. Devontae Wyatt, he could stop the run, 
and he's a good D tackle that can run, rush the passer. So you're hitting both there. Our first pick, Quay Walker. While I was surprised that we went linebacker, we haven't drafted one of the first rounds since 2006. That was another streak besides the receiver one, which was 2002. At first, I was a little perplexed, but then I was like, you know what? We need a guy who could fly around the field too. Quay Walker, really, I think he's going to be a really, really good pro in the league. Put him next to Devondre Campbell, and you know we can go to work. Him and Devondre Campbell work in the middle with Devon with uh, Devontae White, Kenny Clark, and uh, Jerron Reed. Now, you know I think it's a beastly front seven. You know, and then you have Preston and Rashawn Gary on the outside. I like it. So you know we can got we can kind of play more base defense now and not have to be as light and still get you know you know we have a lot of options to go with that. Now, I like the Christian Watt pick. I Watson pick. I just don't like how he traded up two yeah, teams that was, to move Yeah, that up. was my question. You like, did you – I know Christian Watson's good, but did you like how much you had to give up for him? No. No, I didn't. I thought we gave up too much, but I feel like that was more of a we got to come away with something. You know, like a little bit of desperation there. But, you know, hopefully he can um, contribute early because that's going to be the pressure. We don't have – we have probably one of the worst, if not the worst, receiving core in the league. I think we're bottom five at the very least. I don't think there's there's not as much as I love the Packers. But I think we really do have a bottom five receiving corps. I can't really think of like two or three off the top of my head that are worse than our core right now, which is Jaguars. why I love – I don't know. I think the Jaguars have a better receiving core than us too. I mean, if you, I mean, they got. I know they overpaid for some of them, but they have playmakers, <laughs> you know. So yeah, Christian Kirk, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, they got they got some playmakers, you know. Him, Lavisca, Chanel, they have some solid guys. Um, but after that, we did a couple of things. We got players to plug in on defense that could contribute right away, and we drafted offensive linemen to give us depth, which is what we needed. Um. I like the Sean Ryan pick, um, guard tackle out of UCLA. I think he's going to compete right away to start. I think Zach Tom from Wake Forest is also going to compete right away to start. And I even think our seventh rounder, Rasheed Walker, who to me slipped to me. I thought he would go mid-round, you know, four or five. We got him around seven, true up at the tackle from Penn State. I think all those guys are going to be able to compete at camp to be able to start. Uh, Tariq Carpenter, he's a kind of hybrid safety linebacker. We did need a third guy. I don't know if he's going to be a safety or a linebacker. Hopefully he'll be in the safety room because we do need another guy behind Amos and Savage if the, in case they go down. That's the worry for me. Um, Kingsley and Agbar, um, pass rusher out of South Carolina, linebacker, solid pick. Um, and I do um, – and I'm – Curious to see Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada and Samori uh, Torre from Nebraska. I know Torre is, you know, is a seventh rounder, so it's like, eh, you know, whatever. Um, hopefully he catches on. We, I just need, we just need receivers, so hopefully one of them can do something. But I like the Dobbs pick because I think he's a solid player, kind of underrated. You know, him and Christian Watson, they'll bring a little juice to the room. And, you know, they got some speed. You know, they have some playmaking ability. I think we really needed guys – where we get the ball in their hands and they can just play make, you know, like run after the catch kind of guys. And I think those two guys have that kind of capability. So hopefully that they have a rapport with Rogers quick. Um, so overall, love what we did for the defense. We drafted multiple linemen who have a chance to compete. 
or to start, or even if in case somebody goes down, they can plug in and they'll be fine. So I love how deep our offensive line room is now. I love the defense. Um, I believe it's a top five caliber defense. I'll be disappointed if it's not. Barring injury, I will be. So I love what the Packers did in this draft. And if, if we can somehow come away with a veteran receiver, maybe, I don't know, Jarvis wants to come on down or OBJ signs when he plays when he's healthy, that would be some icing on the cake for us. So, But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, it must be nice being excited about the draft. And uh, I think this is honestly the first first time I've ever seen you say anything positive about your team. Because every time, every week during NFL season, oh, Packers are going to lose. Oh, they stink. Oh, they're, they're not going to do anything. That's I, all I hear from you. Every I'm, because, I, because they do. And I don't expect it. But I actually, this is going to be the most optimistic you're going to see me this year, barring injury. Now, what could derail my mood is if, like, you know, by the time the season starts, like, have to you know like four or five starters go down they're hurt and then you're gonna see me depressed again but like going into it i love the roster i think we're gonna field an absolute bottom this will be the best defense since since the super bowl team i really do and i don't yeah you guys definitely have a lot of talent on defense that's for sure a lot more talent than you've had in the past 10 years and it's gonna sound crazy i think rogers is becoming too Devontae centric i'm not saying you know we're better without Devontae adams but i think that it's better for a guy like Aaron because he's like uh, to listen, build the rest of the team around him. He's good enough to make players around him better and spread the ball around. We have an elite running game. We have an elite line. I believe we're going to when everyone gets if healthy. They can stay healthy, yeah, yeah. If everyone gets healthy, we will have an elite line, which is has been the problem. I feel like our offensive line fell apart because of injuries, and you know, playoff time. You know, we we're missing. I think the Bucks game and the Niners game, uh, the Bucks game, we were down three starters. And the, and the Niners game, we were down four starters on the offensive line. So, you know, that's why I loved us getting all these other – case that happens, we have guys who can go in and play. You know, hopefully they'll be good. You know, and I'm hopeful that they are. So, like, you know, if something like that happens, God forbid, we will have guys and play. And the drop-off won't be as significant. So that's kind of why I like the multiple offensive linemen picked in this draft and – you know, and, and the defense and the defense focus on that. So, listen, build an elite defense, and you know, Rodgers will do just enough to help us win games. You know, he won't turn the ball over, and the defense is elite, and I think that'll get us to the promised land. We'll Matt. see. I mean, time will tell. That's and uh, and before we head off, like I think we both can agree, Jets had the best draft. Like looking at their, especially their top four picks, they got Sauce yeah. Gardner, Garrett Wilson. Uh, they stole Jermaine. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, Johnson in, the, in the at late late in the first round, they and moved I, back up to get him. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then I think they drafted the best running back in the draft, Brees Hall. Yeah, with the early second round pick. So yeah, I think we both can agree the Jets won this draft on paper. Like like if we if we ended it right now, I mean we'll see what happens during the season. But yeah, I love. But based I, on I the agree. draft, like we, I think we both can agree Jets won this yeah. one. So good for you, Rye guy. Good for you, Yeah, buddy. good for you. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, that will do it for this episode of Free God Game. Make sure to like and subscri- subscribe to our podcast. We are on Apple, Spotify. Um, you name it, we're on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> our Instagram handle is three uh, at 3 Game. Give us a follow, and we will see you guys next week. All right, yes, take sir. care, everybody. Have a good one, everyone.